Welcome to Beyond the Tools, the podcast that helps contractors attract more leads, grow their business, and finally get off the tools. In each episode, you'll discover marketing tactics that work. You'll get actionable insights from other successful contractors and connect with experts to help you grow. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, owner of a social media agency that helps contractors attract and convert more leads. Get ready to take your business to the next level so you can finally enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. Ready? Let's go. Hey, contractors, welcome back to Beyond the Tools. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, and today I'm excited to introduce you to Rob Matheny. I met Rob at Service World Expo, and I share a little bit about how we met in the podcast, but I just love his energy, and he thinks about business in a very different way. And really, this episode is about creating a business that can run without you which is essentially the theme of this whole podcast. Rob co-founded Reliability Home Services, which he runs with his wife out of Maryland and Pennsylvania. He is also the co-founder of a business coaching company called Service Ninja, which helps contractors grow. And he's an author, he's a consultant, he's a father of five foster children, a volunteer, he does so many things. And it's really because he has intentionally built his businesses to run without him. So today's conversation is essentially some of the building blocks that you will need if you want to get out of the hamster wheel, if you feel imprisoned by your business, if you're at a point that you can't even have a family dinner without answering your phone. If this sounds like you, this is absolutely the episode that you need to listen to. Rob shares with us some of the things that have really made a difference both for his businesses and for the businesses of his clients when it comes to processes, automations, training your team, so many other pieces, but really focusing in on how you can do things differently and how you can design your business with intention so that you're not tied to the day-to-day. Let's head on over and chat with Rob. Welcome to the show, Rob. So excited to have you here. Thank you, Crystal. I appreciate the invite. So I was very fortunate to meet you at Service World Expo, especially at a point in the networking process where I had kind of gone dead in the eyes. And uh, when I... It was so much fun. <laughs> I love that when I met you, you were like, isn't everyone here a little boring? And I was like, that just... They were. They're all wearing... They're all wearing polo shirts and, um, you know, or button downs like I'm wearing today. And, uh, yeah, nobody really had a lot of flavor. You did. And uh, there was somebody you were with that had a little bit of flavor to them, too. It was kind of fun. That's why I was interested to talk to you. Yeah, those are the best moments. And it really, really reminded me that I think it's important to be yourself. And you definitely made an impression. So I'm excited that we get the opportunity to chat today. So what do you have, uh, what kind of questions do you have for me, Crystal? So what I think is really interesting about you, Rob, is that you're both a contractor, but you're also a coach and consultant, among the many other things that you do. 
but you really get to see the home services industry from all sides. So that's why I wanted to have this conversation today. But maybe you can give us a quick overview of how you got involved in this industry. Um, well, uh, I got involved in the industry in the mid-90s when I got out of the Navy. I joined a company and I was a helper and it didn't take long for that mechanic to say, hey, if you can sell something, go ahead. And I just started selling stuff on every one of I was his helper. And we walked into a job and he was putting in a furnace. I said, why didn't we sell an AC at the same time? He said, if you can, go ahead. I said, how much? He said, we sell it for 1800 Anything over that, you keep. So I just walked up to the customer and I sold it for 3600 And that kind of started it off and just kept going up from there. Eventually, I started my own company in 2013. And with the help of uh, a couple of other people, I, I put it, I built it. And my whole job from the time I started till now was to build a process that I could just step back and it would run itself. And I would check a couple of KPIs, CPIs, and make sure everything was functioning the way it was supposed to. And I could move on and do other things. And then I wrote a book, wrote a couple of them, including a poetry book and a business book. And I speak at events. I do part-time training for the new flat rate. I got a lot of irons in the fire, but I really have just, I kind of like to spread that knowledge around and teach other people how to gain a little bit of freedom in their life and make money while they're doing it. How many, how many games do we have to miss? You know, like how many Valentine's days do we have to get up from the table and leave our significant other sitting there while we're taking a phone call for work, you know? And so I started teaching that. That's incredible. And I love that with reliability home services that you went into that very intentional about creating a business that you could step away from the day to day. I actually did. It was originally my wife's idea and uh, she runs it now. Every once in a while, she'll call me up because she needs help with this or that. But for the most part, I just check numbers and I give her feedback and then um, I stay out of the business. I, I did run because of the really cold weather. I did run some calls last week. She asked me to run some calls and you know, I did four calls and we did 48,000 in those four calls. I, I spent a lot of time studying communication and sales, which everybody thought it was about selling something, but it was more about buying something. Honestly, people will just buy if you let them. Yeah, I love that. And I know we're going to get into a few of those things and share some insights there. But perhaps you can tell me a little more about how you and Amy grew reliability home services and some of the things that allow you not to be so involved in the day-to-day -day of the business. Okay. So um, what, what it started off as is when you start a business, you have a bunch of different hats you have to wear. You have to capitalize your company. You have to create cash flow. You have to understand how money works. It works a little bit different than you would think it would. You know, you sell a job, you pay the expenses, what you have left over is yours, but it doesn't work that way, right? It, 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 you have to create the ability to finance the next job, the next job, and to maintain your business for a long haul. So what we did specifically, everything that we built was about tomorrow and not about today. So. Was there some times in the beginning where it was tough? Yeah. 
there was. But as we moved on, after we started the first year, we only did 480,000, right? Which some people might look at and go, wow, 480,000, that's amazing. Next year, we did over a million. The year after that, we were at 1.5. And you know now we do about 5 to 6 million a year, even in the down economy. And, and that's, we focus on a couple of things. We focus on the people, right? We focus on training and we focus on focus on people training and, and and just to keep building processes. So anytime there's any problem, we find a way to make that process solve itself. And processes are so over-encompassing that you don't even realize it. There should be a process for everything. How you take out your trash should be a process. So when you talk about a process, is that always written? Is that actionable? Like It is written. Because if it's not written, it's not repeatable. So it, it like even when we do our we did our training, right? Every training that we did had to be written down. It had to have an accompanying PowerPoint, even though our trainings were always less than an hour, right? So we would do uh, tra- every Wednesday we do training. It's fifteen minutes of tech talk, fifteen minutes of Q and A, fifteen minutes of admin, and fifteen minutes of sales training every week. Communication and sales training. And we did that for, I don't know, for right now, it's been like nine years that they've done it. And every training had to be written down. Every training had to have an accompanying PowerPoint so that next time we train that thing, it's being taught the same way now that it was last time. And the same thing with processes. Processes had to be written down so that next time we did that process, it was done the same way. And every company, I feel like there's this, there should be this book that says the way this company works that is not written down anywhere. How many times have you worked places and you've just been like, how do we do this, fix this problem? And nobody really, somebody knows and they'll tell you instead of it being able to be found somewhere, you know, but it takes you months to catch up to all that, where if it was all written down, it becomes very easy. Right. So when you're starting the process of building processes. Obviously, when you say something like even how to take out the trash needs to be a process that can feel like there's an overwhelming amount of things that need to have a process. So where did you guys start or what do you think are the most important things that you need to have a process for? So what we did is we started with building what was right in front of us. The, when we had a problem, and you know what? I still do it to this day. I carry little notebooks around with me. Whenever I encounter any problem, I write it down, right? And as soon as I write it down, when I get back to the office, what I'll do is I'll just figure out a way to solve that problem. And what we did is by doing that, everybody doing that, we would build one a week. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot. But what we found is if you tried to introduce 20 of them at the same time, it just all fell apart. So we would build one at a time every week. And every week there would be a meeting, one in the service department, one in the office department, one with the, the management. And every week we would have one process built, one for the management, one for the uh, office and CSRs, one for the service department. And it would be introduced and it would say, here's a paper, one page paper. Like you can't make it 10 pages. One, if you, if you do, that's 10 different processes. One, one process, one page. 
maybe a visual on there. You put the purpose of it, the date it was written, and how to do that thing step by step. And we would go over it in the service meeting during the administrative section of the service meeting, and we would introduce it that week. Now, for the next two weeks, we would go over that same process, but we would also introduce the next process and go over the one from last week. Is there any problems that people had with this? And if they did, we address that problem right then and there and make addendums or adjustments to it. And then the third week, we do the same thing. But during that time, the next week, we're introducing the second process. So now you have two processes. The third week, you're finishing up that first process. You're in the addendum part of the second process, and you're introducing a third one. And it just keeps it moving. And by then, everybody learns it, and everybody passes it down, and you put it in a binder or a book, or Tranual is a really good one. You put it in there, and people can just find things. So anytime they have a question, they can go in, type in a couple keywords, and it'll pop up and allow them to find it. You could do this with Word. You could do it with Excel. You could also do it with Tranual. They actually specifically build Tranual for that. Once you build all those processes, you can slowly eliminate your own job because every job that you have, unless it is the key function of your company or your position, you can then push those jobs into other processes to be done by other people. That makes sense. And in your coaching work, do you find that there are common hiccups that contractors have or places that they get stuck when it comes to creating processes? It's be a lot of what, what you talked about, not knowing where to begin. And it's really easy because you begin with the very first problem you have that day, right? If you walk into your shop and the door wasn't locked the night before, really easy. You write that down and you make a process for closing. If you're uh, kicking out the trash and you look out there and you end up with a big pile of trash because people forgot to take it out, build a process for that. If you're going out and your guys are doing sales, not everybody can be a great salesman, but you can teach a process of sales. And once they had the process, they just walk out. And in a lot of cases, guys are just turning their tablet around and saying, what should we do? And having customers just pick large, large items for purchase. So I help people build those processes. I help people build those menus, depending on who they're using. Cool Front or the new flat rate or one of those companies. And I help, I help them put the structure in place to be able to move forward. I also help them build a CSR process because believe it or not, dispatching is a huge process that people neglect. They think it's first come, first serve, but it really doesn't work that way. And it's more about making money. We call it dispatching for dollars, but it basically is about streamlining your dispatching and teaching your CSRs a, a better way to invoice and to make sure that you get to the right customers. Because at the end of the day, you can't always get to them all. But if you get to the right ones, your company can be very, very successful and make a lot of money. And that's what it's all about. Allow your guys to do better. Allow yourself to do better. Yeah. So I'm curious about that when it comes to CSRs. What are some of the things that you've encountered that contractors need help with when it comes to that team? For the most part, they never train their CSRs. They don't teach them how to communicate with customers. They don't set up a company-wide greeting. And uh, it's such a little thing, but it starts the process. 
There should be a script built for your CSRs to go through on every call because otherwise they're just kind of winging it and you don't want them to wing it. You want them to have get a certain types of information. You want them to book your, your calls in a certain way so that you can basically put your guys in the best places to make money. So if if you have two people that call in and let's just say we're doing first come first serve and the landlord calls in and one of the biggest bane of contractors are landlords because they don't want to buy anything. And if they do buy something, it is always the cheapest thing they could possibly buy. Well, if somebody else calls in after the landlord and he's a customer who buys $10,000 in stuff every time he calls, the question should be, which one's going first? It doesn't matter if the landlord called first. Yeah, because the landlord's going to buy very little, if anything, whereas this guy's going to buy $10,000 of stuff today and you got to let him buy it. It sounds like such a common sense way to do it, but people have such a hard time with it. And a lot of times the CSRs have a hard time with it because now they feel like they have to call back the customer and get yelled at by them. We teach them a methodology to not get yelled at, not to not overpromise what we're going to do. And we don't even, as crazy as it sounds, we don't even necessarily give them a time. This blows all of their minds. They're like, you, you have to give a time. I'm like, you don't. You think you do, but you don't. When you call to have your cable work done, what do they tell you? They'll be there tomorrow between eight and five. We can call you like 45 minutes before we show up. We can do the same thing. And generally, what I teach CSRs to do is say, hey, what works better for you morning or afternoon? And when they answer it, you say, I'll do my best to get you on in the afternoon. You don't promise it. So by not promising it, it allows you to move to the best appointments. And if that happens to be a lousy appointment, well, then you put it off till tomorrow. And if another great appointment comes in, you put it off again. Doesn't matter how many times you put it off. If you have a lousy customer versus a great customer, you always go to the great customer first. Doesn't matter how many times you have to put off the lousy customer. Most of the times they'll go to somebody else who will do first come, first serve. Yeah. And it becomes not your problem anymore. That is so simple and so smart. I, yeah. Wow. Makes sense. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I think that's great. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is simple. A lot of running a business is is common sense, but we get caught up in these things that we've done for years and years and years and years. And we don't think that, hey, there's a better way to do business. There's a more automated way. Mm -hmm. You can make it so this business can run itself. And, and you know what? You do some of that through reflective marketing. People just pay you to make them appointments to sell stuff instead of doing it themselves to make appointments to sell stuff. And some of that is lack of being able to market. The Some of it is lack of having good CSRs. We all, we all recognize that you need to train a technician how to turn a wrench, right? Everybody recognizes that. We even recognize that you need to tell them how to teach them how to sell things. But you know what they never recognize? That the person on the phone needs a skill set too. So we've done a lot of that, communication, sales training, and CSR training. And Rob, I know automation has played a big part in building your businesses and, again, getting to that point where your business isn't a prison that is 
part of your life. So tell us a little bit more about that. How have you used automation? So we leverage a lot of technologies. There are a ton of them out there. Everything from, you know, as silly as it sounds, but using a tablet for your your technicians in the field instead of using old invoices. And, and what's really funny is uh, what I can tell you about automation is this. It's not just leveraging technology. It's leveraging processes. So one of the things that we found was how much we were paying in credit card fees. And so we searched all around until we found a, a rate that was a little bit lower. And it, you, you used a little um, a little chip reader when you were out in the field and you can Bluetooth it right to your tablet and it would take the card and it would reduce your your fees by like almost one and a quarter percent. But at the end of the year, we still had that one and a quarter percent was still on there. So we had to search and figure out why. And so I started asking the guys, if we had these swipers, why aren't we using them? And it was almost universal that they always forget to bring it in. And when they did bring it in, when they didn't bring it in and the customer bought something, they didn't want to then say, stop, I have to run out to my truck, grab this reader, come back, load it up. Instead, they were just like, you know what? I'm just going to take the credit card and key it in. And then you can sign it because they didn't want to interrupt the sale, which made sense. You know, you have a nice, smooth process. And at the end of it, they buy something. You don't want to then make them rethink the whole thing by leaving and going out and picking up a... So there's a little strip on the back of here. That's a Velcro strip. Now, I don't have one on here, but all the card readers are attached. So when they open their tablets, it's right there attached to the tablet sitting right here. And it was Velcroed to everybody's tablet. And all of a sudden, we added almost $25,000 to our bottom line at the end of the year just by making it so they wouldn't forget it and they wouldn't lose it. Because before they were holding it in their hand, you know, and doing it that way. Mm -hmm. This way it was attached directly to their tablet. They could use it like that. And it was no big deal. And we attached it to everybody's tablet. That is a simple, simple automation. And if you look at it, how many guys are out there running credit cards right now, which is should be every company, how many of them just key it in and lose that 1%? when they could simply take it, have a more secure transaction and a happier customer and make a little bit more money off of that, or even better, stop losing that money. So that's just some of the simple automations that we did. Leverage technology like uh, Field Edge or Service Titan. And uh, Service Titan's a bit of a monster because it's big, too big for contractors a lot of times. You know, you really shouldn't run it unless you have 10 trucks and somebody you can dedicate to IT. but my opinion, you know, using those type of automations make a big difference in your company because every process that you can make automated is one less person that has to do that job. I think that's such an important point too, because I think you're absolutely right. When we talk about automations, a lot of people think immediately to the technology, but not the processes, which are the foundation to be able to do any of that. Yeah. And I mean, how often do you do that in your job? Do you automate your processes? I would say above average, but there are always things that I'm like, oh, this is tedious and time consuming and could probably. There's a great writer out there. His name is Paul Akers. He's not really a great writer, but he makes really good points, right? 
he wrote a book called The Two Second Lean, which is was his like, you know, big, big book. And uh, The Two Second Lean, he owns a company down south that makes like, I don't know what they make, fasteners for paper. And what he does is he has a meeting every day. And the whole point of that meeting is to take two seconds off your day. He started to learn about automation when he was sleeping, got up to get dressed for work, went downstairs, and he always grabbed the wrong suit out the closet because he didn't want to turn the lights on to wake his wife up. So he did this several days in a row for months and months and months. And finally, he said, you know what? He put one of those little tap lights inside the closet. And by doing that, he cut about two minutes off of his day. And then he did the math in his head. If he cut two minutes off of each process that he goes through during the day, how much time will he have at the end? So pretty good book. Check it out if you get a chance. Yeah, that's amazing. I will. And with the work that you do at Service Ninja, I'm curious to hear what some of the success stories you guys have had, because these are all a bunch of little things, but they can make a huge difference to getting somebody out of the day-to-day of their business. Well, there is a guy in North Carolina, I love this guy, who has taken automation to the extreme, right? I've worked with him to keep creating automation. One, he uses... Service Ninja's virtual office is one of the services we we offer as a virtual office, virtual dispatching. We'll do your books, stuff like that. Not accounting, but we'll do your invoicing and stuff like that, collect your money. He uh, put in automatic garage doors and cameras. There's a camera pointing out the door. There's a camera pointing out the floor. And he drew big boxes on the floor, like box one, box two, box three, box four, box five, box six. FedEx over here, UPS over there. When people come and make a delivery, they come up and they ring the bell. It alerts the person who's answering the phone, who just happens to be not in North Carolina, but in Baltimore. They open the phone. They tell them to hold up the invoice to the camera, and they do, and they take a picture of it. Then they open the gate. He says, put it in box one. And so they'll carry it in, put it in box one. And they can see the big box on the floor. It's like a 10 foot by 10 foot square. So if they're delivering heating and air conditioning equipment, he says, all right, deliver the Matthews PO to box one, deliver the Johnson PO to box two. This goes to box three. And they walk in, they put the stuff down in each particular area, and then they leave. And they leave the invoice there. The owner comes by at the end of the day, make sure stuff is ordered right and is where it's supposed to be. And it takes him about five minutes and then he leaves. And then the next day when the installers show up, they come up, they hit the gate. The person answers the phone and says, your equipment is sitting in box one. Your parts are in box two. And so he manages to automate almost all of his processes through cameras and remote work. And he maintains, officially, he maintains two employees. He has himself, he has a service tech, and he has a uh, installer. And the installer doesn't always do install work. He does a lot of the repair work. So if there's a repair that's going to take more than four hours, it is then pushed to the installer. And he has a second subcontracting install crew that he uses too. But it's all built into a big process. It's all processed, right? At the end of the call, there's certain questions he has to answer before he can be paid. And it, it makes it so that everything is about process. 
when the guy answers the phone, he asks a certain certain questions. He moves appointments based on that. He collects payments right there. Everything is processed to him. And he's got it down to where he works about 25 to 30 hours a week. And just to kind of put put a little, you know, point on it there, he did $2.2 million last year at 32% net profit. You own a business too. 32%. You're like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, I've done that too, because I'm just like, man, he cleared more money than I did. I need to do what he's doing and I'm teaching him how to do it. So, you know, it's a, it's a good story though. It, it really, really is good. He's, he's from Vietnam. He's a really great guy and he's killing it. He's killing it through just building processes. And I've helped him build a sales process. I helped him build his debt process right there of equipment and delivery and dispatching. And he's doing fantastic. That is an incredible story. And I think really paints the picture of what's possible when you've got that foundation of processes and you can build technology and automations on top of that to have a business that you're not imprisoned by. Yeah. Gain some freedom. I mean, that's what it's about. You know, you don't need to miss at the end of the day, you can't take money with you. We all want to make money and a business is is about making money, but the cost has to be to make that money can't be at the cost of your life. I see too many owners who basically stop doing business because they're too old and sick, you know, and they're left with nothing at the end. There's no out. You can't go get another job because nobody will hire you. Nobody wants to hire an ex-business owner because, well, you'll do what you want to do and not what they want you to do. So, you know, there you go. That's the common problem I see with people. Some people say it's hiring. I say it's not hiring out because hiring is just a market uh, marketing thing. Learn you got to hire somebody like you to do that. I say it's about building your processes and making it so your business can run without you. You can own a business and make money, or you can own a process, and then when you whenever you go away for a year, your company still makes money. When you come back, there's more money than when you left. Or you can own a business, and when you go away for a year, you come back, it's gone, it's broke. So then that's the question. Where do you want to be? I love that. And I know our listeners are going to want to learn more about you and the work you're doing with Service Ninja and everything else you've got going on. So what's the best way for them to connect with you? Oh, well, you can connect to me through uh, three different ways. One, you can message Sensei Rob at svcninja.com. And Sensei is spelled S-E-N-S-E-I. R-O-B at serviceninja.com, svcninja.com. You can go to our website, which is uh, svcninja.com, and you can reach us that way. Or you can even do the old-fashioned way and just call at 410-599-3682. That's 410-599-3682. And ask for Rob, and I'll get on the phone and talk to you. I could talk to you and tell you if we could help you for free. Perfect. And we will put all those links in the show notes as well. So if you're listening, you can check there to grab Rob's details. But this has been a fantastic conversation. And I think really eye opening, certainly for me, I'm taking a few things away from this. And I know our listeners are going to do the same. So thank you, Rob. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Crystal. I appreciate it too.
Hey guys, if you love this episode, if you learn something here from Beyond the Tools, you can actually head to our website at beyondthetoolspodcast.com and you can sign up to get updates whenever we have a new episode. So go to beyondthetoolspodcast.com. You'll see the option there to sign up and we'll send you the new episodes as soon as they're released. 